Good morning. How are you? Really good. So, I love this verse, by the way, John. The first one on your list, as I live in God, my love grows more perfect. I can face him with confidence on the day of judgment because I live like Jesus here in this world. Maybe later on, after uh, we get into the word this morning, you'll understand that verse a little bit more. I hope so. Also, this is my prayer, and pray it with me in your hearts, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you spiritual wisdom and revelation knowledge in him, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of our calling, what the riches of his glory in the saints that he is going to inherit I'm going to teach this morning on, uh, the title is Glory to Glory. It's a bit of a continuation of what I taught a few weeks ago on our destiny. And my prayer is that we can lift our hearts and allow God to think of Jesus Christ and his spirit in you. Think of his hand opening up the doors of your heart wide to receive whatever it is that God would have to reveal to you today, because that's what this is all about. It's not about me doing a teaching. It's not about you guys learning a bunch of stuff. It is something that God needs to work in our hearts. That is why it's a prayer that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts. He will do that if we will seek that. So this is about where we're going. And you know what? If you don't know where you're going, I don't know how you can lead anybody to get there. Right? I mean, how do we get to some place and we have no idea where we're going uh, unless we are being led by the Spirit, right? And so this is, this is the thing. We have to be led by the Spirit in order to end up where it is that God's hopeful calling really is. We're not going to discover it by simply our head knowledge or by our own reasoning. It is through the Spirit that we are led toward this hope of his calling. And that's why we pray, lead us, Lord. And we have confidence that this is where we're going. But he didn't leave us without any understanding or knowledge in his word about what, where we're heading, right? And so I want to share about the glory we're heading to. But first I want to, and this, you're going to understand why I'm asking this question. This is just something, these are the kinds of things I think about. And since I'm up here, you're going to have to deal with that. So I'm going to ask you, these are the things I ask myself. When the fall of man occurred and Adam and Eve fell, one of the first things it says about that moment was they looked at each other and they saw that they were what? Naked. What, they weren't before? I mean, what what has happened here, right? I mean, you have to ask yourself, how is it that they saw themselves now different than they had ever seen themselves before? Now they see themselves Unclothed. What were they clothed with before? I don't know. We're going to find out, maybe. I'd like you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. And Carolyn Gill, God bless you. She's doing the verses this morning and... It's going to be fun, isn't it, Carolyn? 
because she's going to try to keep up with me, and I'm going to try to follow the script, and that is going to be interesting. Colossians 3. Let's get to Colossians 3 here. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, and we have, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Say, what? You died. Sorry. Your life is now hidden, which is to, kept, to be kept hidden or kept safe in Christ with God. How is that? What, is, what are we talking about here? I am, my life is actually kept somewhere right now? I thought I was living it. I thought this was my life. He is saying your life is hidden with Christ in God. Then it goes on to say in verse 4, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, that's all of us, will also appear with him in what? Glory. Our destiny, our true self, our real life, is something that is currently kept safe and hidden with Christ in God. But when he comes back, there will be a revelation of this is who you are. This is who you are. This is what I will name you. This is your true substance and your true essence. This is what I've called you to. This is who you are forever and all eternity in the new kingdom where heaven and earth is brought together again and I'm revealing to you and to everything around you, this is your life now. Does that like not get you thinking like, wow, That's the real us. This is where we're going. Now, it's not to mean that we're not alive now. We get that, right? But when we are talking about life and all of its manifestations and the hope of our true calling and our true identity, that's our destiny, to appear with him and to have our true self revealed in glory. Then it goes on to say, Put to death, therefore. The therefore is there because what went before. Because this is where we're going, because our true self is going to be revealed with him in glory, therefore, right now, put to death what is earthly in you, because it's not the real you. Those things that are just bound by the earth, that are under the tutelage of the rulers of the darkness of this world, which we are surrounded by, correct? And which we we all were raised in the university of the life of the rulers of the darkness of this world. So there is a whole host of information and education we have had about how how to live an earthly life. And so we're supposed to just put that to death. And it's interesting that it starts with sexual immorality as a list here of those things we're to put to to death. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Now I will tell you, most Christians immediately go to this idea that we are some sort of moral containers and God is judging us based on how ethical and moral we conduct ourselves. And so sexual impurity, bad deal, 
black marks, and that's really what we're, this is what the essence of this is. He's saying, don't do this, I don't like it. What he's saying is, don't do this, don't live that way, because what you're doing is you're doubling down on a false identity of who you really are. I didn't call you for this. You weren't destined for this. You're not designed for this. These are filthy rags compared to what I have offered you. And where you're going, the true identity of who you really are, lean into that, and this will become more and more like, that is not even, it's not even close to who I am and who I want to be. But it goes on to say, also put away anger in verse 8. Thank you, Carolyn. Wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with all those practices that were, you know, from the universal life of the world, and have put on a new self, which is right now, it is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. It's, and here is, it says there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, Democrat, Republican, black, white, Male, female, anything that divides you is it's, it's ridiculous because what? We are all in all in Christ. That's who we are. And so that's why we put on in verse 12, as God's chosen ones, called ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Here's what we clothe ourselves with right now. So we take off the filthy rags and we put on new clothes. And what are these clothes? What do they look like? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and above all things, put on what? Love. The will to good, the will for God's goodness to be in everyone's life. Whether they're born again or they're not, whatever stripe they might be, whatever ethnicity, whatever walk of life, the will to good because this is the mind of God himself, who wills for all men to be saved and come unto a knowledge of the truth, who, who so loved the world he gave his only begotten. We will that for other people by putting on these clothes. We clothe ourselves in the character of Christ. And by doing so, the glory of the Lord can begin to show up in our life. When God is present, there is always this brilliance of glory. I mean, most of the time when he shows up in human beings' lives, he, you know, he may show up quietly, but it's quite brilliant and quite dazzling. It says in John 1.14 regarding Jesus Christ, the word became flesh and we saw his glory. In Hebrews 1.3 it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. So when Jesus Christ came, He came to display and to demonstrate, this is what it's like when a human being puts on the true clothing of God. And in Jesus Christ's case, (laughs) he didn't have to put off, right? He put on the glory of God in his fullness, and people that were there beheld it. In Mark chapter 9, there's a particularly poignant example of this, which we're going to go to. Mark 9, verse 2. Now, I want you to put yourself in the place of Peter, James, and John here. 
think about it. These are real people. These aren't just Bible characters from some novel. They actually lived. They actually had been hanging out with Jesus Christ. And he says one day, I want you to come with me. Okay. I mean, they've done this before, right? Who knows where we're going, right? He takes them up into a high mountain. It says in verse 2, And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. <laughs> what is going If you're them, you're like, what are we seeing here? What is going And he is like, come with me, I want to show you something. And what he shows them is his radiance fully revealed and demonstrated as a fully human being clothed with the glory of God. And it's like, it's this bright, white, way beyond anything anybody could have bleached white, radiant vision. And it's, but it's him. I mean, this is not some sort of like, this is him standing there. And then some other things happen. And, you know, I love this. You know, Peter gets, he's like, I don't even know what to do with this. You know, let's just stand up three tenths. We'll do some stuff here. And it says, for he did not know what to say because he was terrified. I mean, it just weirded these guys out. And then it says in verse 7, a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Uh, Yeah. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them, don't tell anybody what you've seen. Don't say a thing to your other, your fellow disciples. Don't talk about this. You three, that's it. Until when? Until the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. Now, isn't that interesting? Keep it to yourself, but after I'm raised from the dead... Feel free to talk about it. Do you think they might have talked about this with the other guys? When they were sitting around after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, do you think they've been waiting? I can't, I mean, now we can talk about this. You guys should have seen it. Now, why, why would he say, after I'm raised from the dead, you can talk about this? Because he wants them to connect these events and help the disciples to understand that this this fully human guy, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that clothed in his true glory but not seen except by James, Peter, and John, is now in his resurrected body with that same glory and radiance. This is the connection. This is the guy. He, he, he was like this. He didn't show us that, though, except for three guys. But it was fully revealed in his resurrected body. Now, why is that important to us? Is that just like, well, that's cool. I mean, it's Jesus. Which, you know, we kind of have come to expect that he's kind of a singular guy, right? <laughs> so, but what does that have to do with us? Please turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Let's start in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body 
to be like the body of his glory, his glorious body. Wait a minute. So the thing that James, Peter, and John saw, the thing that they connected with the resurrected glorious body of Jesus Christ, who, who was rather remarkable, right? I mean, they would look at him like, I'm not going to ask who you are, because I know it's the Lord, but dude, you are looking quite different, right? I mean, really different. Why? Because he was in his resurrected, glorious body. The presence of God was hanging on him like clothes that radiated, right? And I mean, and they saw it with their human eyes, just like our eyes. They saw this on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw it in him and in his resurrected body. And now here's the promise. Guess what? That's going to be you. That's going to be me. This is almost too fantastic and weird for our minds to understand, which is why we need to pray, and I mean this, God, reveal this to my heart. Because left to ourselves, we are not going to get this, and yet this is where we're going, and if we don't know where we're going, how are we going to get there? How are we going to conduct ourselves along the way? We have got to understand and let this really settle into our hearts. This is who he has called us to be. People who are clothed in his glory. I mean, and this... This should actually really affect our entire lives. That's why it says in in, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, because of this, because of this calling, because this is where we're going, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, stand firm. Stand firm. (laughs) We aren't going to stand firm. We are not going to be disciples following the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not going to be serious about making the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart acceptable in the sight of the Lord if we don't see this, if we are not really compelled and moved by where we're going. And where we're going is, is phenomenal. And I, can't, I wish I understood more, and I'm, maybe God will show it to me as time goes on, what this new body is really like. But it is a physical body. We know that. Jesus Christ said, hey, come here, touch A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. What is going on? The guy has got flesh and bones, and yet he's so totally different. Why? What is going on with this new body? I mean, in Romans 8, it gives you a little hint that it's the spirit that quickens the flesh. It makes it alive, animates the flesh. What animates the human body right now? Right now, as we sit in this room, anybody on the planet, what is giving giving life to the human body? Soul, the spirit of man, right? I don't think that was the original intent. And that's why he said, if you lose the spirit of God, you will surely die. What died was the animating spirit of the living God in the flesh of Adam and Eve. And we're all sitting here quite well aware that the, <laughs> we're dying day by day here, right? This is not going to make it. But the new body... And it says this in 1 Corinthians 15 as well, is animated by what? The spirit of the living God. I don't know exactly how that works, but that's where we're going. That is where we're going. I mean, can you taste it? Because the more you can taste it and, and the goodness of that, the more we're going to be compelled to live right now like that. And that's where we're going to go next. 2 Corinthians Chapter 3. 
Now, I'm going to go, I mean, I'm going to read some real, you know, serious verses with you here. I mean, we're going to get into the Bible right now. I don't normally do this, if you know me. I don't often read a lot of verses. We're going to read. We're going to get into 2 Corinthians 3 because, and 4 and 5, because, I mean, think about it, man. This is revelation from the heart of God written through the Apostle Paul sent to believers like us saying, you've got to get this. You really need to understand this. And it says in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 3, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. And that's us, right? We're ministers of this covenant. And let's read about it. Not of the letter, not of the law, but of the Spirit. It is a covenant of the Spirit. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives what? Life. The law could not bring us into the glorious life that God has called us to ultimately have. It couldn't get us there. It could bring us to the one who does get us there. But it was, it is not, it was not capable of doing it, which that's okay. God had a plan. <laughs> this is all part of the same plan, right? And so, but now we are ministers, not of something that can't bring you to that fullness to that hope of your calling, we're ministers of the Spirit, and that is what brings us there. Now, if the ministry of death, the law, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites couldn't handle Moses' face because it was so bright with the glory of God, and this was uh, a ministry coming to its end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? I think so. For if there, if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation under the law, the ministry of righteous must far exceed it in its glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Do you get you getting the point here? It's about glory. <laughs> it's, it is about God showing up, having his presence in our lives. And he could do that, you know, under the law. How did he do that? How did you know that the Shekinah glory was in your midst? You went to the tabernacle. You went to the tabernacle. In that Holy of Holies, that really small part under this tent, that's where the glory of God showed up. You went to the temple after Solomon built that. And in the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah glory of God showed up. That's where you went. That was the presence. But the law could not let you personally enter into the glory of because that's by the Spirit that came with Christ. So, I mean, that's what he's saying here. This, this is a new day, folks. For if what has come, what, what has been brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent, permanent, have glory. Permanent. We are talking about something permanent here. Now, is it fully consummated? No. We're a work in progress. But we, are, we have entered into what is permanent. I've said this before, a little digression. When Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, his new body, that resurrection of his physical body was a stake in the ground by God saying the restoration of all things starts now. We are in that period. He is restoring heaven and earth as we speak. It's not done yet. We know that because we're not in our glorious body. But it's coming it's coming. That's what we're looking for. 
And what we are in, we are part of this work in progress, but it is a permanent end to the plan. Unless, of course, he has a whole other plan after that. But as far as he has revealed to us through Genesis to you know, Revelation, we are in this part that is going to be permanent. I mean, that should just so excite us. That's what we're part of. Let's go down to... Skip down to 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. There is liberty. And we all, with unfailed face... Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Therefore, therefore, because of this, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is how we can sustain our discipleship and grow day in, day out, and keep pressing on, seeking His face. praying, giving, doing all the things that we do, spiritual disciplines that we know will grow us up in him. How do we do this day after day without wearying and well-doing? How do we do this? Because we are seeing where we're going. And the clearer you can see where you're going, the easier this is, to be honest with you. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That means they're not part of the permanent. They have yet to enter into through the new birth and through confession of Jesus Christ as their Lord. They are they're perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them. This is the battle that, that Garrett was referring to, the spiritual, to keep them. Our enemy wants to keep people from seeing the light of the, glos- of the gospel in the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So who is going to help them? They have a ruler of darkness of the world that has so taken over their existence through billions of bytes of data that they get every day, walking by the things that they see that they have become so seared that they're kept, they're blinded, so that they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. His brilliance and dazzling presence is not even visible to them. Who's going to help him? For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. This takes us back to Genesis 1.1. This is part of a plan. This is all part of God's thinking, his thoughts, his heart. He's the guy who said, let, shine, let light shine out of darkness. What has he done now? He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's your ministry. That's it. That's what we do here. The only reason we, we come here is to do this. Otherwise, what's the point? Right? I mean, we can get together. We can watch movies together. We can do all sorts of stuff. We can enjoy each other's company. We can have loving friendship and fellowship, all of which is good, but this is the why. 
this is the why. We, are, we don't want to be Christian consumers where all we do is receive, receive, receive. We get blessed. Oh, I'm, I'm so blessed. Blah, blah. We want to move with this. We have, we have, God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What are we going to do with that? That's for you to answer. But I'll tell you what we're not going to do. Verse 16 of chapter 4. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, I can attest to that, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things which are seen, but, at, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, kept safe and secret in Christ with God. For in this tent we groan, we groan, longing. Do we? Do we? Are we really groaning in this tent, longing you know, to be put, to put on our heavenly dwelling? Are we desiring passionately for that moment when the Lord comes and we were revealed with him in glory? And that's just a rhetorical question. We have to examine our hearts. But if I'm not passionate about this, well, that's fine. Pray the prayer. Of God enlighten the eyes of my heart that I might know what is the hope of my calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. (laughs) Yeah, if you really want to wonder, like, who prepared you for this very thing, yeah, it'd be God. He's the one. This is his plan. This is what he's doing. And you're part of it. And he has given us the Spirit as a what? Guarantee he knows we need this. You need this, folks. You need to understand I have given you something here so that you can have a guarantee in your life, demonstrated in your life. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith not by sight. Garrett taught by he, he he talked about by faith. Bob gave a tremendous teaching about by faith. It's a simple thing. This is the word of the Lord. Are we going to walk in accordance with this, or are we going to walk according to the things we see? We all have such busy lives, man. I mean, I don't know about you, but my life's busy. I'm sure yours are too. We're doing things all the time. We get up and we just we move through our lives. Events and incidents and conversations and thoughts and billions of data bits every day, day after day, month after month, year after year. We are immersed in what's going on here. 
but doesn't mean we can't lift up our eyes and see the unseen things. And through that lens, look through that lens at all the things we do during our day. Those are important things, but do you see through the lens of your eternal hope of your calling when you will be presented to him in glory? It says, yes, in verse 8, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Discipleship, for we must all appear. (laughs) Here it is. Sorry. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. I thought this was all by grace. I didn't think works had anything to do with anything here. Um, No. Verse 10 Verse 10 is pretty clear. As John said in the worship service, there will be a judgment. Now, that might freak you out. I mean, a lot of people are like, that doesn't sound good. But let's think about judgment. You know what judgment is? At the end of the day, and tr- truly from a biblical sense, it is God setting things to right. It is him purifying and cleaning and clearing out anything that is defiling against him. And what is left is only his righteousness. It is a good act. It's like when you weed your garden, that's a cool thing to do, right? So that the flowers will bloom better. He is going to set things to right. But now each of us is part of that. And so what is going to make it through that? You know, What's going to go through that refining fire and have eternal weight of glory? Well, those are the things maybe we would want to consider doubling down on. <laughs> right? Because this is going to happen. I mean, we're, you know, a lot of people are going to get there and think, whoa, I wish I had known this. Yeah, you wish you would have known this. It wasn't like it was hidden, though. He's telling us. <laughs> it's right here, you know. So, I mean, it's something for us to look forward to, but it's also something that should actually motivate us in a great way, you know, where we really double down on by faith. We really double down on following the Lord Jesus Christ knowing that in him, our character, our heart will be transfigured and transformed. And so more and more glory will be revealed through us in that great day. And between now and then, we're putting more and more on the clothing of his character. It should be something that really moves us, but it should be a source of great joy. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, please. And we all with unveiled face, verse 18, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are part of an amazing calling, an amazing plan and purpose. And it's not a fairy tale. It's actually what's really, really going on here. This is what's really happening. The rest that we can see by our eyes is temporal, and it's fading away. And it has, it has very little bearing 
on anything that has eternal weight of glory unless we look through that lens and busy our lives as we go about our lives like everybody else and we turn it into something that is part of that eternal weight of glory. And how do we do that? We do the things that it says about putting on mercy, kindness, tenderheartedness, humility. We put off the dirty rags. The last thing we want to do, the very last thing we want to do, is find ourselves pushed by the world, because this is where the devil wants to take us. He wants to degrade us and make us rub our noses in just the, the degradation of fallen man. And he wants you to just double down on the flesh, double down on sexual impurity, immorality. He just wants you to just rejoice so that that glory becomes like the flower that fades and blows away in the wind. That's what he wants for us. Don't do it. And this is where our free will comes in. It is like he is, he is beseeching us. Don't do that. Put on my character. And that is by the what? Not the letter of the law. Not by rules and regulations. Grace isn't going to, you know, there's, grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort, though. So we make the effort to double down on putting on the clothing that he has provided us in the Spirit. And it is a clothing that is glorious. And his presence will more and more, more and more show up. When we come together in this place, imagine if we are doing that moment by moment and we come together, what can happen in a place where people who are moving in that come together? His glory will show up. And that's our vision. So that today we walk clothed above all things in love, willing his goodness for everyone and everything around us. Be purveyors of his goodness. That is what we busy our lives with. If you're a parent, if you're an employee doing something, whatever it is, all you're trying to do, this is simple, you're trying to bring goodness into that situation. You're trying to be that light because it has been shown abroad in your heart so that we can shine it in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's what it is. And as we do that, I mean, this is not that hard. When you think about this, let's just live that way through that lens. And as we do it, keeping in mind, the more we lean into that, what is happening? We are looking forward to that day when we, our life, our true life, our eternal life, our new name, our new who we really are, for all eternity is going to be revealed with him in glory. I'd like to pray with you. Father, we are so amazed at your calling, and amazed that you have invited us into this life. Father, reveal it to our hearts. We know we see through a glass darkly, and one day we are going to see it in its bright and dazzling and radiant form. But right now, Father, our prayer still is more and more, Father, open the eyes of our heart to reveal the hope of our calling. And let that move us, and let that be our apparel as we live our our days on behalf of you and our Lord Jesus Christ, shining as lights to a world that is blinded. But we can help, Father, and we can be lights to this world as we walk in your love. And we pray these things in the name of our returning Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.